What a delight to be here today. You sang a moment ago about freedom. I want you to know that today really is Freedom Day for Pastor John. Can you imagine, not only have I been his father, but for the last six years, I've had authority over him as his district superintendent. And as of technically Friday, he's now under Reverend Dr. Jeff Norris and no longer under me. So he really is free uh, today. And uh, so, uh, you know, and tomorrow he'll wave goodbye to me and who knows. Uh, no, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be back again. And I just want to say this to begin with. I want to thank you as a church for the way in which you have warmly welcomed John and Laura. And uh, what a beautiful place they have to live. My goodness gracious, God has been so faithful to them. I came in there yesterday and I said to them, I'll visit you here anytime. This is, this is a great, great place to, uh, to live. And Jerry, thank you for inviting me to come. This is truly a tremendous privilege. As Pastor Jerry said, I finished on Thursday 11 and a half years of being a district superintendent. So technically on Friday I was unemployed. And yet I get to preach the first day, uh, the first Sunday after I'm no longer a district superintendent. I'm still a district superintendent in my mind. I haven't quite figured that out. My wife warned me. She said, you are not the district superintendent of the Western PA District. So I can't do what I would do in Eastern PA. And that's what I would say to John and Laura. I want you to come sit right up here because I'm going to talk to you guys. So I'll be talking to you, but I'm also going to talk to you as a congregation. And can you imagine, friends, that I had the privilege of preaching for six uh, times at Mahaffey Camp, and now this will be my seventh time here in Western Pennsylvania. I think that must make me an honorary member of the Western PA District. Will you receive me? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We, I had a great time at Mahaffey. They, you know, the saying is that you cannot go to heaven until you've gone to Mahaffey. So I finished my job, and now I can go to heaven. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'm ready to fly away. Uh, but uh, thank you again for the, the, the tremendous privilege that you've given to me today. So I'm going to give a charge to Pastor John and Laura. I've done many of these, and I'm also going to give a charge to you as a congregation. And so you're going to want to listen uh, to the parts that I say to John and Laura, but you're also going to want to listen because there's some things I'm going to share with you as a congregation this morning. I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verses 1 through 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 1 through 7. I noticed on the screen that the reading was from the English Standard Version. And lo and behold, I'm using the New International Version today. I've been using the English Standard Version of late, but I switched it up for today and decided to use the, the NIV. So if you're following in a different translation, it'll all make sense. At least it will after we get, get through it, I'm sure. Therefore... Since through God's mercy, notice what the text says, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are, notice what it says here, those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not, what? Preach ourselves 
but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light where? shine where? In our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But, but, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is what? From God and not from us. Would you pray with me? Father, unless you speak to us this morning by your Spirit, we might as all stay at home. Because unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And so my prayer this morning is that you would speak to us through your word, not only for the charge to John and Laura, but also the charge to the congregation. And we pray these things in the matchless and in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. The first time that I ever met Pastor John was in the neonatal intensive care unit. He had just been born. His mom had gone through two and a half days of labor, only at the end for the doctors to decide that John's size was just too big to be naturally born. He required a C-section. You see, friends, John weighed in at 11 pounds, 2 ounces when he was born. And I want you to imagine the sight. When I met him for the first time in the neonatal intensive care He was in a container. I don't know what the technical name is for the thing, but he was in a container that he barely fit. He took every square centimeter of it, inch of it. And beside him was a little girl who weighed a pound and a half. Can you imagine the juxtaposition, the contrast between John, 11 pounds, 2 ounces, and this little girl who was a pound and a half? It was quite a sight. Gramps who's here today. My mom and dad are here from Burlington, Ontario, Canada, and my sister Darlene, and uh, they wanted to come here and celebrate with John and Laura today. And uh, so Gramps, the first time he saw John, said that he actually looked like an old-time boxer named Rocky Marciano. He had big fists. I got a picture of him with those big fists, and his head was a bit beaten up because his birthing experience had not been pleasant, to say the least. So John's beginning was actually a reminder of what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians. We have this treasure in clay pots. We have this treasure in clay pots. John and Oil City Congregation, the truth is, every single one of us, we're all clay pots. Think about it for a moment. If we've been saved, dwelling within us is the person of Jesus Christ, the gospel incarnated. And what is the gospel dwelling in? A common, ordinary, garden variety, clay vessel, a clay pot. It it was as though the most costly jewel were encased in a common, ordinary, earthen jar. Pastor John will remember When he was 10 years old, we traveled to his mom's birthplace, Great Britain. And one of the things we saw there, you remember, John? We saw the crown jewels. Now, the crown jewels were not encased in a clay pot, right? 
No, they were housed behind bulletproof glass in a compartment with controlled climate. And it's exactly where you'd put a treasure, right? You would not put a treasure in a clay pot. Who in their right mind would do such a thing? And yet the greatest treasure, my friends, of all, the treasure that's the gospel revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, where does it dwell? In you. It dwells in a clay pot. What a reminder that God's strength is always made perfect. What? In human weakness. That's right. In human weakness. I, I told this story when I was over at Mahaffey Camp. If you looked at my grade 12 yearbook, it did not say in there, most likely to succeed. The truth is, this will upset my mother and father, but the truth is I barely made it out of grade 12. Barely made it. And yet, by God's grace, I earned a doctorate earlier this year. In kindergarten, the teacher, the teacher left the room one day. I decided to get up onto the table and do a little dance for the class. Just imagine, before I was a district superintendent, I was a table dancer. The truth is, I was a clay pot and you're a clay pot. And so is John. And why? Why does God put the treasure, the greatest treasure of all, in clay pots? To show, to, to make clear that the all-surpassing power, which is the gospel, is where? From God and not from ourselves. Because you know what we would do? We would bottle it, we would uh, label it, and we would sell it, and we'd make money on it. Because we'd say it's ours. I know in Oil City no one would do that. But I've wandered around Oil City a little bit already to yesterday and today. I, I think there's some folks here would do that. You see, friends, the issue is who gets the glory. It's always about who gets the glory. And to make the point clear, what does God do? He puts the treasure in us. You and me. Go, go, go figure. It's crazy. It makes no sense. So, John, here's the deal for you and Laura. And here's the deal for you as a congregation. 2 Corinthians 4.7 is a powerful reminder to us that as a clay pot, we are what? Easily broken. We are easily broken. Dr. Leonard Sweet was speaking in some of the evenings uh, over at Mahaffey Camp. And he made this comment. He said, if you want to find Jesus, he said, look for the wounds. If you want to find Jesus, look for the wounds. He said, look for the, for the wounds in your own life. And he said, look for the wounds in the lives of those around you. Think about it. Jesus Christ was what? Wounded for our transgressions. He was what? Bruised for our iniquities. And uh, we serve, friends, a wounded Savior. We worship the wounded healer. John, I learned this lesson in ministry too late. It's not too late still. I'm only 58 years of age, so I'm not over the hill quite yet. But I want to encourage you, John, to let people see your wounds. Let people see your wounds. I've lived long enough to know that I have plenty of wounds. You haven't lived quite as long as I have, but I know you have wounds. And I'm not talking about you airing your dirty laundry. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about being vulnerable, John. 
I'm talking about being real. This congregation is smart. I don't know you, but I know you're smart because you just called my son to be your associate pastor. So you got to be smart. (laughs) This congregation is smart, John. They will not be deceived. They will not be deceived. They know you're going to make mistakes, and you will. They know that you won't love perfectly, and you won't. So be upfront. Don't hide underneath the traditional ministerial pretense. And then as a congregation, can I speak to you for a, a moment at this point? As Pastor John and Laura are broken, so too you are broken. I don't know your stories, but I know you're broken. Because you see, you have the treasure in a clay pot. And let me encourage you to give John and Laura margins to fail. Because they are going to fail. And sometimes they will offend you, and sometimes you will offend them. I know you can't believe that you'd ever offend them, but (laughs) it will happen. So what are you going to do about that? What will you do about that? You are, after all, clay pots. All of you, John, Laura, Pastor Jerry, you know, you're all clay clay pots. Sorry, I shouldn't say that to Pastor Jerry. I have no ecclesiastical authority anymore. I've got to be careful what I say. (laughs) 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 It's a reminder to us, John, it's a reminder to us, congregation, that what we need to do is bind on love. You see, to live as a, as a clay pot means that we have to live in the reality of continual confession of sin. As we interact with one another, as we engage with one another, as clay pots, we bump up against one another. The only way in which we can function together is by living in that place where we forgive one another and we put on Love, that virtue that binds all the other virtues together. See, John, this is just the beginning. But you know, you sat around our kitchen table enough times to know that these folks are sometimes going to step on your toes. They're going to rain on your parade. They'll not always be spiritually mature. Sometimes they'll show up late. And what is worse, some will even turn on you. That's what the Bible says. Others will not follow through with Jesus the way you'd hoped. And God reminds you, John, today, be gentle. Be patient. You're dealing with vulnerable clay pots. They're already cracked. And since they're fragile, they can easily be broken again. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And you get broken again and again and again. And sometimes you get to the point where you say, I I, I don't know if I can take it any longer. Why can't I just have this thing together? But you know, John and congregation, this really is all good. Because God wants the glory. You see, if we had it all together, who would we give the glory to? Us, right? But God wants the glory. You know, God did some incredible things in eastern Pennsylvania. I I could literally take the next hour and just recite thing after thing that God did. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is that He gets the glory. That He gets the glory. And to make that point clear, He puts the gospel in us, clay pots. So, John, congregation, what happens... 
when the treasure is in clay pots that can easily be broken, what happens? We lose heart. It's so easy to give up. You don't have to put up your hands, but you ever felt like giving up? I felt like giving up. It's so easy. So, so go back to verse 1 for a moment. If you still have your Bible open, go back to verse, verse 1. Since it's so easy to lose heart, how do we ensure that's not our experience? We remember we have this ministry through what? God's mercy. It's not ours. John, I'm talking to you just for a second. John, you and I did not choose ministry. We are not volunteers. We're conscripts. Good military term there for you, John. We're, con- we're conscripts. We got conscripted into the, into the Lord's army, into the ministry of the gospel. And, and let me add a word about this word ministry. It's an interesting word because it actually simply means service. And, and friends, what I want to remind us this morning of this is, is the simple thing. All of us are in ministry. Pastor John, Pastor Jerry, myself, we happen to have this funny thing in front of our name called Reverend. Never quite understood all of that. District superintendent for 11 years and a half, and I still haven't figured that all out, but, but that's okay. Friends, every single one of you has been called to serve Jesus. I don't know if you say amen in this church, but could you say amen to that? Yeah. Friends, every single one of us have been called into ministry. For those of us who have the pastoral ministry, John, as you know, and I want to speak to you in a congregation, as a congregation about this in just a moment, there's a huge temptation to lose heart. A huge temptation. I'm not suggesting it's, it's any less for those of you who are lay ministers, but it is a huge thing for us as pastors. Because you know what? The folks we're dealing with are clay pots. And they don't always get it. And, and sometimes we think, oh my goodness, I've, I've said this five times. I've said it 25 times. I've said it 55 times. I've said it 105 times. And they didn't seem to get it. And there are people, John, I don't know this congregation. You already know them better than I do, obviously. But there are people in this congregation who are struggling with their marriages. There are people who are struggling with employment. They're struggling with habits and stuff. I don't know if that's a very politically correct term to use stuff, but they're struggling with things that are unimaginable, absolutely unimaginable. But I want to remind you, John, it's at the wounds that we find Jesus. And it's when you're vulnerable and you as a congregation can be vulnerable with John and Laura that you will find Jesus. So how do we engage ministry so we don't lose heart? How do we practically remember the ministry God has called you, John, toward here in Oil City? That it's through His mercy. Well, you'll remember, John, that when we came to eastern Pennsylvania uh, in December 2002, we were quite literally aliens. Now, actually, you... And mom and Rachel had alien registration cards. I didn't even have so much as an alien registration card, at least a legal one. We were outsiders. We had never lived in Pennsylvania. We had visited a few times, but we really didn't know anything about Pennsylvania. 
I was warned before I came to Eastern Pennsylvania, beware of the duchies. <laughs> beware of the duchies. They're hard. They're cold. They're mean. And they won't tell you so. you got to kind of figure them out. I thought to myself, that sounds pretty like the people of the maritime part of Canada where I used to pastor. And then, you know, we, we pastored in southwestern Ontario. They were kind of cold and unfriendly and not too particularly uh, kind there either. So I figured, hey, I'll get along with the Dutchies quite fine. I've seen them before. So I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what do, what do I do in the first six months? I'm a complete outsider. I'm an alien. And the Lord gave me this alliteration, five words. Your mom's going to look at me because I'm numerically challenged. I can't remember if four or five. I, that's five. Look was the first word. Listen, learn, love, and then lead. John, I want to encourage you in the next six months to take a lot of time to get to know these people in this congregation. Look, listen to their stories. Get to know them. As you did in, in Williamsport, I want to encourage you to get involved in the communities. Coach soccer again. I'm, I can be a little bossy as my son, right? <laughs> Find something that will connect you with lost people in this community that you would otherwise not have that connection with. Learn the stories of this community. As we were driving around yesterday, I, I, I love to know, I'm a history major way, way long, long, long time ago. I love to know about communities. I was intrigued by this community. I thought, I want to know the stories of this community. John already is getting to know some of those stories. Learn the stories of the people in this, in this congregation. John, I, I said this to you yesterday. You remember when you studied cultural anthropology in your MDiv degree? Use the, the things you learned in cultural anthropology because... The people in this room today, you know what you are? You are experts on this community. You're experts. Two months into my district superintendency in eastern Pennsylvania, I was called to meet with a board. They didn't want the pastor present. That's always a bad sign. So I met with this board, and they had a shopping list as long as both of my arms relative to things they were not happy with their pastor over. One of the things they said to me was, he went and looked in someone's barn. I thought to myself, is that like a cardinal sin? You don't look in someone's barn? Like what? Like do the cows like have a bad odor? Or like, I mean, I pastored in rural southwestern Ontario. I went into the barn one day with the farmer, and he put his hand into the feed that the pigs eat, and he threw it into his mouth. I nearly fell over at that point. But, you know, I, 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 mean, I was just shocked. They told me, in this part of Pennsylvania, it is a cardinal sin if you look in someone's barn without their permission. This pastor had never bothered to learn the local culture, and he was, he was violating the cultural etiquette, the cultural rules, because he'd never bothered to ask. John, get to know the culture here. They probably have their own unique um, um, things. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and then, you know, John, I always say this. A pastor be begins his ministry um, with what is called positional authority. You know what that is? I mean, John has pastor in front of his name. So he's got this little bit of authority called positional authority. But at the end of the day, if you have to use positional authority, 
you're done. <laughs> you're done. Because the authority that you respond to as a congregation is what kind of authority? It's relational authority. It comes out of the fact that I know you. I care about you. I love you. I'm willing to go to the, to, to the mat for you. You know what I learned about the duchies? If you get to know the duchies and you come into their world and you start to love them and they love you, they will go to the mat for you. They would throw themselves out in front of a car if they saw the car was going to go towards you. I love the duchies. I absolutely, I will miss them when I move away from eastern Pennsylvania because I found out they are loyal. Dude, they are loyal. They are absolutely loyal. And uh, so, John... Build relationships with the folks here. You know, when a pastor starts a ministry, he has a little bit of change in his pocket. That positional authority change. Every time he spends that, you know what? He never gets to spend it again. But as he builds a relationship, John, as you build a relationship with his congregation, they will put change in your pocket. They don't know that. They're learning. This is insider uh, trader information that they're learning right now. They will put change in your pocket called relational change. And there's going to come a time, John, when the chips are down, that you're going to be able to spend that change for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this to you as a congregational, uh, a congregation. You know, you too, as I said a moment ago, have the temptation to lose heart. And how do you not lose heart in relationship to John and Laura? Well, you need to look into their world. You need to look into their world. Can I encourage you today? They're new to town. They've been living for the last three years outside of New York City. They ain't city folks, don't worry. I can assure you of that. They're the happiest campers in all the earth, and they got back to Pennsylvania. But help them to adjust to living in rural Pennsylvania again. Invite them to your home. Begin to just think this morning, when, when can I have John and Laura over for, for supper or lunch or something like that? If you're going out to eat, take them to your favorite place to eat. Uh, when you're going to a sporting event, call them up and say, hey, we're going to such and such sporting event tonight. Come along with us. Uh, give them a day's notice, but, but bring them along. Uh, ladies, ladies, you're going shopping? Take Laura with you. She would love to go shopping with you. If you're going on a vacation, take them along for part of your vacation. <laughs> They pack easily. <laughs> Listen to their stories. Find out their likes and their dislikes. Some of you know already they like the Pittsburgh Penguins. John started cheering for the Pittsburgh Penguins when he was so little that at the, in the Stanley Cup final game, he fell asleep during the game. Today, if Pittsburgh would ever make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, John would not fall asleep. Actually, John loves any sport. Uh, he's like Gramps. Sports can usually be found on, t on the TV in his house. So hang out with John. I mean, if you don't understand the strikes or the balls or the yards and the, and the size of the net, just, just, just hang out with them. Put the TV on mute. and uh, I've done that in their house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and have a conversation and get to know them. And then, can I say this to your friends today? Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share these, these things with you. Love them. Love them. You know, the Bible says that love covers over a multitude of sins. And if you love them, they will return the same to you. 
Remember what I said a moment ago, where do we find Jesus? We find him at the wounds. So let Pastor John finally, after he's learned about you and he's listened to you and he's looked into your lives and he's learned to love you, let him lead. John, the day is coming, not immediately, when God's going to really call call you to be part of leading this church, to leading this church towards the harvest that God has called. And Laura, you're going to have the same privilege as a pastoral couple. Well, finally, the Apostle Paul says we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. You know, there is so much self-promoting that's going on in the church today. Both pastoral and lay ministers seemingly are often about themselves. I want to say to you, it's a shame the way it's being done today. You know, it's sort of like, look at me, I'm anointed. Look at me, I'm talented. Look at me, my ministry's going so well. And John, it makes no sense because the unbelievers can see right through it. Verse 4 reminds us that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They can't see the gospel of the glory of Christ, but you know what they can see, John? They can see our phoniness. And that's true of you as a congregation as well. They can see right through us when we are doing little else but promoting ourselves. And here's the truth. The only one who can change, the only one who can change the lives of unbelievers, the only one who can open their eyes is who? Jesus. Jesus Christ. And that's why we preach Christ and Him crucified. John, I know that you're not going to be the primary quote-unquote preacher in this church. But don't narrowly define that word preaching only down to what is done on Sunday morning. Notice verse 5. Not only do we not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, we offer ourselves as what? Servants for Jesus' sake. What unbelievers are looking for is not how much we know, but how much we care. It's not how much we know, it's how much we care. And so when the text admonishes us to not preach ourselves, but instead Jesus Christ, that is a word to you, John, but it's also a word to you as a congregation, friends. You see, all of us are ministers, not just Pastor Jerry, not just Pastor John. All of us, all of us are. And what do we reveal? Do we reveal us? God forbid. That's a pretty ugly story if you just reveal us. Oh, that we would reveal Jesus. And how do we do that? We let the wounds show. We look for the wounds that are around us. John, Oil City Congregation, the only way that the world will see Jesus, the only way the relationship will work between associate pastoral couple and you as a congregation is if you abandon pretense, deceit, and distortion, and you're just plain real. Jesus is found at the wounds because he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and it's by his stripes we are healed. I have great news, friends. We have the most valuable, powerful treasure ever known to man in us. Clay pots. And the ministry we serve comes through God's mercy. We don't lose heart. Because clay pots are just that. Common, ordinary, cracked. And we don't preach ourselves. Kind of foolish to preach a cracked pot. 
No, we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ is Lord and he gets the glory and lives are changed. So John, Pastor John, Reverend John, and Laura, my dear daughter-in-law, daughter, really, the way you've treated me all these years, Laura. At Oil City Congregation, you have the greatest treasure of all. The gospel in the person of Jesus Christ. And where's that treasure? In a cracked pot. Be vulnerable. Be real. Give up pretense. And watch. Watch what God will do in this community for what? His glory. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you again, Pastor Jerry, for the privilege of sharing the message today.